0: i'm going to dedicate this episode to my father i miss him already this one's for you pal i don't really know how to start this one uh but uh i do want to welcome every each and every one of you to this 496th episode of unscripted with mike and chris uh, we are here. I hope everything where you are is as good as it possibly can be. I want to start though to with this this first episode today um, i um I lost a very significant person in my life on friday on uh Wednesday evening. My father Jack jansen in las Vegas died on at the uh, Wednesday night at the age of eighty two what they 're telling me is a massive heart attack. I talked to him at seven o'clock on Wednesday night and he was bitching about when I was getting down there and when we were going to play. And we were talking about tee times and how many strokes I was going to have to get him and give him. And he was going to, he was going to be uh, teeing off from the, from the red forward tees. He says, I'm 82 and I, I get that. I get that advantage now. And, um, three hours later, I got a phone call from a nurse on his, uh, on his floor at the Mountain View Hospital in Las Vegas. And he passed away at the age of 82. So if I'm not my normal, robust, opinionated asshole self today, um, you'll know why and you'll understand. I'm very appreciative of all the comments and and, uh, warm welcomes and sympathy notes and uh, everything that I have received. And I'm very appreciative of my friend and partner, Chris for uh letting me do this today because everybody is saying how therapeutic this is going to be. Um I also want to thank surprisingly enough the border patrol people at uh the border in Montana where I cross when I drive down to Las Vegas. I actually called them on Thursday to see if I could get down there and and I could. Um but I I want to thank them, you know, they get a a br- bad rap sometimes as you know, being Hitler-esque in in regard to their dealings of of people coming and going over the uh, U.S.-Canadian border, but uh, those people down there were very kind and very helpful on uh, Thursday through this difficult time, and I want to thank them. They were uh, unbelievably nice during this difficult time, so we've decided... um, because myself here in Canada and my stepbrother Jason in Tofino British Columbia couldn't make it down that uh, they my father was going to be cremated anyway and so we've decided to have a celebration of life in July or August or September sometime this summer when these sanctions or whatever you want to call them have been lifted and um all I'm going to say is that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. We're going to have a golf tournament, and uh, I'm loading up my team. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I'm going to win this damn thing. I'm getting the best players around me, and we're going to win this goddamn thing. A lot of things going on. Um, we've got to talk about a draft, and I'm going to do. Let Chris do a lot of the heavy lifting because uh, I can tell you right now, I talked to a lot of relatives in the Green Bay area. On Thursday, excuse me, Friday morning, once the news had gotten out that my father had passed, and they paid their respects to my dad first and foremost, but then they wanted to bitch about the Packers draft or lack thereof, and um, I think the Packers draft was very underwhelming. It didn't, ad- it didn't, uh, it didn't address the immediate needs that a team that was one of four teams standing mid January and though they got their ass kicked by the San Francisco 49ers they were again one of four teams that could have won a way to a super bowl and everybody knows helen keller freaking knows that what the packers uh limitations are and what the packers should have been looking at in the draft they didn't address wide receiver i mean devin devin funches they didn't this really sucks. they didn't really address the wide receiver <laughs> position in free agency and with the, quite arguably, the deepest wide receiver draft class in maybe the history, at least in the modern era era of this draft, the deepest wide receiver cr- class, 17 wide receivers had been taken after, through five rounds of this just completed NFL draft, and not one of them were earmarked for Green Bay, Wisconsin. I don't know what's going on. Chris just gave me some inside information as I walked into his house today that Matt LaFleur, had the coach, had his hands all over this draft. Well, if that's true, then he doesn't have a very good handle on this football team because what they did was disrespectful to the two best offensive players that the Green Bay Packers had last year, which was Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones, and both of them could be gone really quick if you look at it in, in the way I'm looking at it in regard to how can you sit here as Aaron Rodgers and you desperately need some wide receiver help. And again, Devin Funchess isn't it. You desperately need some wide receiver help and you don't draft a wide receiver over the seven-round draft? And how would you like to be Aaron Jones who scores 19 touchdowns last year and and accumulates over 1,500 offensive yards total between running and, and catching the football and you draft some guy out of Boston College in the second round When realistically, the Packers didn't need a running back right now. We needed a wide receiver. We needed an inside linebacker. We needed a lot of things on our offensive, uh, on on our football team to take it to the next level. How did the 49ers get better yesterday? How did the Baltimore Ravens get better yesterday? And yet the Green Bay Packers stayed status quo. So there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, I want to get to those. I want to get to the winners and the losers. I've got a bunch of winners. I've got one loser. (laughs) I mean, how did the New Orleans Saints get better yesterday? The New Orleans Saints yesterday have a future Hall of Famer at quarterback on their roster who's just re-inked a a two-year deal for $50 million. And they give the backup a deal yesterday. And this morning, there's news out that they're close to finalizing a one-year deal with Jameis Winston. They've got three quarterbacks on their roster. The Packers don't have three wide receivers on their roster. Are you expecting Alan Lazard or Equinamius St. Brown or whatever the hell his name is and that other guy, MCL or whatever? How do you you know we don't have three wide receivers. We've got we've got Adams and we've got a bunch of wannabes, and maybe never will bees on our roster. And I'm telling you, if Matt LaFleur, if Chris's information is right, if Matt LaFleur Had his hand on this draft, I can tell you one thing. I'm hoping Matt LaFleur is renting in the Fox River Valley because he ain't going to be around very long with that draft. This makes Ted Thompson's 2014 draft look golden. And that's pretty sad considering that not one person from that 2014 Green Bay Packers draft is still on the roster five years later. I don't know if a lot of guys on this current draft and this current draft of the Packers, the 2020 version of this draft, how many of those guys are still going to be on the roster in five years? I don't know three-quarters of them. Never heard of most of them. And uh, I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers, who's, who seems to be the epitome of guys that have chips on their shoulders, that chip just got a lot bigger for number 12. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. I was listening to Michael Wilbon the other day, Michael Wilbon of uh, the Interrupted Show with, Tony Kornheiser on ESPN and Wilbon who's a huge Bears fan is saying I see Aaron Rodgers in a Bears jersey in two years and you know what that isn't beyond recognition that isn't beyond of the possibility of happening because how long are you going to expect Jordan Love to sit there and be the backup I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it was a, It was tough to get Aaron Rodgers to do it for three years when this scenario happened 15 years ago with Brett Varr. And um, I, I don't see how Jordan Love sits around for the, even the duration of of Rodgers' contract, which still has four years and averages over $33 million a year on it. So I think Rodgers should start thinking about where he wants to play next and, and where Packer fans' hearts are going to collapse when they see Rodgers in a Bears jersey or a 49ers jersey. I mean, Rodgers in, in, in Northern California is a beautiful fit. Sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's a beautiful fit. I wouldn't be one damn bit surprised if Bill Belichick made a call to Brian Gutekunst and said, Hey, listen, you've got your guy. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers coming to the Boston area. Because as a surprising to me as it was, that the 49 excuse me that the Packers didn't draft a wide receiver it's got to be really surprising to Patriots fans why the Patriots didn't draft a quarterback didn't have to be in the first round but how did a guy like Jake Fromm from Georgia last until round five when finally the Buffalo Bills said hey this is this guy's too too damn talented not to draft let's bring him on board great move by the Buffalo Bills so as I continue, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to ramble on, but I can ramble on again against about stuff like this. I bring in the executive producer and my dear friend who has been just unbelievable through this whole process, and um, I can't say thank you enough. He wants to get in here. He's chomping at the bit, and I want him to get in here because I'm, I'm having one of my wave sessions here. So I bring in my friend and the executive producer with his initial comments of what was a very, either really top-heavy or really bad draft. For a lot of teams in the National Football League, and I introduce you to Chris and say hi and thank you and and uh, your comments, sir, on what's uh, happened over the last three days with this 2020 NFL
1: draft. Man, well, I got lots, but, uh, you know, the difference between you and Ryan Pace is that at least you have highs to go with your lows, because Ryan Pace has nothing but lows because he's a moron, and, you know... I I don't know where to start with all the EDSI. You know what? In fairness, though, there was so much good in the draft. There were some really great teams <laughs> that did a really great job, but holy crap, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay <laughs> Packers... <laughs> Uh, and it was exacerbated by the fact that the Minnesota Vikings had a really good draft. Vikings too. had a nice draft. Really? Detroit had a good draft, and really. Detroit was solid, yes. they were solid. Sure. It wasn't great, but it was solid. It was a lot better than the Bears and the Packers. And I mean, you know, but the thing is, unfortunately, the Packers are what really stand out here. And that's amazing since the Bears... Not at least, so they go and sign Jimmy Graham two times eight. And again, you can, again, I'm not even going <laughs> to say it again. Joke yeah, there. is it eight years times two million? Two years times eight million? You tell me. It's eight, it's two times eight. Neither one makes sense. So who cares? It doesn't matter. And then they go and sign. They decide, okay, no tight ends are taken. It's the second round. We have our choice. Let's <laughs> take someone no one's ever heard of. <laughs> Great. No, I'm, not, I'm exaggerating with that. He was maybe second or third best on the board. But of course, the brilliant New Orleans Saints sweep in swoop in, whatever you want to say, after like five or six tight ends are off the board and they're like, uh, we're just going to take the number one guy, thanks, okay, uh, since we have pretty much everything already. And uh, the Chicago Bears, what are they doing? So then they take some, you know, not the number one tight end to go with Jimmy Graham and everything they did was just bizarre almost. And then the Packers, like you said, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I this really felt more like LaFleur than Kunst. And I liked all those things you said. I had the same thought, actually. For some reason, I pictured Aaron Rodgers playing for the Bears. I really did, just like you said. And I haven't heard anyone else say that. I just had that picture. You know, I don't think it's going to be exactly like Favre going to Minnesota. And plus, clearly, Kirk Cousins is going to have a job for, you know, they're going to sign him to a 15-year contract, (laughs) a la Rick DiPietro with Charles Wang and the Islanders. It's going to be the same thing, just no matter what, let's just sign him forever. But yeah, I mean, I could see that absolutely happening. This move was inexcusable to trade up in the first round for Jordan love the Packers rationale apparently was okay we're sitting at 30 we love this guy and we're getting a bunch of calls from teams who want to move up and get him so I appreciate that they're thinking okay well if they're calling us they're probably calling the couple teams ahead of us okay fine but why are you so desperate to get Jordan love I'm tired of hearing about how this was exactly like the Aaron Rodgers far situation it was not exactly like that situation Aaron Rodgers was a legitimate first overall prospect, and Jordan Love is not. Jordan Love is raw. Jordan Love is young. Jordan Love won't even be Joe Burrow's age. Joe Bo- he's like three years younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like, he's really young and very raw, and he has a long way to go. And the problem with the Packers uh, draft more than anything, they drafted like a team who came in dead last in the league last year and and maybe traded away their first-round pick for some reason, and they just were starting from scratch. Hey, you know what? Let's get a young quarterback of the future and then a young running back and develop these guys. And uh, let's give the fans something kind of exciting to look forward to because we're nothing right. You were one of the final three, not even four. You were one of the final three teams last year. Right,
0: right. Other than yeah, the
1: AFC game had been played first. That's right. There were three teams left that could win the Super Bowl and the Packers were one of them. When you're in that situation and you get the 30th overall pick. There's a reason you get the 30th overall pick and not the third overall pick. It's because you had a really good year and you've got a lot going on. And Aaron Rodgers, yes, he's gotten past the halfway point of his 30s. But Tom Brady is going to attempt to play at 43 here. And even though no one's ever had a good season at 43 as a quarterback in the NFL, he's going to try and he might do it. And Aaron Rodgers, for all we know, we shouldn't be looking at the old timelines for people. We shouldn't be thinking, oh, Aaron Rodgers is 36 and in the 80s that meant he was done. Well, it doesn't mean that anymore. Aaron Rodgers, for all we know, and I don't think this line because Danica Patrick, I think, wants him to retire and have a family and be her little boy toy. But <laughs> but I think there's a good chance Aaron Rodgers could be playing well six or seven years from now. Uh, yeah. And if you have that possibility that maybe the most talented quarterback in the league could be playing well for you for another six, seven, eight years, for all we know, at least four or five more, probably. I mean, you know, or I mean, if you really are pessimistic, maybe like at least three, but I, I think that's really too low these days, then why would you do this? And then you could almost say it was even more nonsensical because at least the Packers could use a good backup quarterback at the very least. They never seem to have that. So maybe he becomes that or something, but you don't draft a backup quarterback number one yeah. at all, especially in the first round. But then to draft a running back. Why? So you've got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, a great compliment. Aaron Jones, great. Uh, You also have the kid that they
0: drafted in the sixth round last year out of Notre Dame, um, Williams. Um, You've got a plethora of running backs. You've
1: got that young, uh, that really fast guy too, uh, like the four-string running back. I forget his name. Oh, he was was.
0: the punt returner, uh, Irvin.
1: But then there was another guy they signed from like Jacksonville a year ago. Yeah, I that think. was Irving. Oh, was it him? Did. He okay. came in
0: as the punt returner last year and they ran some jet sweeps with him and, and he was unbelievably quick and, and uh he was kind of like the the Randall Cobb role there uh in the in the beginning of Cobb's career in Green Bay. So um I, I'm I'm incredulous. Uh I'm if I'm Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones, again, I don't mean to sound repetitive, but I, I'm hoping that both of them are renting. Um, I think both of them are gone sooner than obviously than we think and what we want, especially in the Rodgers situation. And the Packers have always been, uh, a team that is built on history and, and, and all this other stuff, but also trust. And, uh, if you're Aaron Rodgers right now, I don't think you can trust the brain trust of the Green Bay Packers.
1: Yeah, you, know, you can't. And I I loved your thought that I could see him in the Bears someday. I could absolutely see him for the Niners one day. I mean, that's who we grew up cheering for. That's who should have taken him first overall in 2005. And man, they've got Trent Williams and that amazing team now. And their only question mark really is if Jimmy Garoppolo is the real deal or not. And now you you put in Aaron Rodgers instead. Oh, I mean, just give them the Super Bowl right now. And there's some really good Super Bowl contenders this year. I mean, both because of the draft. And the funny thing is the rich get richer because they're smart. So the teams that already look good had great drafts. You know, you're still you're still looking at, okay, like the Super Bowl, if you're betting. I mean, you have to want to put money on the Niners, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Ravens. It's the same teams. But what you said that I hadn't thought of is, is New England. Can you imagine if Bill Belichick said, hey, we'll give you... I don't know, a couple firsts or something for Rodgers. I don't know what... I have no idea what the price would be. But Aaron Rodgers, all of a sudden, that would be... That would change everything in New England, 100%. So, because... Now, I mean, they could be solid, but they had a terrible draft too, which was surprising, which led to, of course, unlimited jokes that clearly Bill Belichick's dog is running the team, right? I mean, so... Moving up to draft not one but two random tight ends and then to take a kicker in the fifth and like, and then they did some other weird thing in the sixth or seventh and it's like, what the hell? Like That team you would think would be smart. I mean, what would shock me is if it turns out that Brady's been amazing this whole time and Belichick's been lucky, that would just shock the shit out of me. I can't believe that. that, that that's too hard to believe. But uh, Bill Belichick did not look good. He came out and said that they didn't draft a quarterback, but that wasn't by design. Yeah, Indi- indicating right. they did want a quarterback, but like you had so many chances, like when the Buffalo Bills were like, "Well, fuck it, well, I guess we'll just take Jake Fromm." Like yeah. you had a chance, clearly. So I don't know what the hell's going on here. Maybe you know, I a part of me almost thought they they just figured they would just take Jalen Hurts at some point, <laughs> and then the, <laughs> the Eagles took them, which some Eagles fans called the worst pick in twenty in the last twenty years of the draft. Uh But. It, it, not because Hurts is that bad, but no. in terms of fit and timing yeah. Yeah. and taking him in the second round, when you have Wentz, you just paid Wentz. Like, I get the whole situation. I, I
0: get, first of all, I get why Howie, Ros- Howie Roseman did this. Twofold. Jalen Hurts can play football. He's won a national championship in college at Alabama. Was one of the only guys, to my recollection, that has played in the college football playoffs every freaking year, whether it had been at... Alabama or Oklahoma so the guy's a winner but second of all you got to think about this Eagles fans Wentz has an injury history he has an injury history and so I don't think first of all you should never question anything Howie Roseman does because I think he's up there and you know it's funny I wanted to make this point while you were talking I think we now have to find a place for John Lynch sure of the 49ers in that upper echelon of oh, GMs. 100%. I mean, here's a guy that knows he needed a wide receiver, so he goes out and, and, and acquires one. Knew that he had an overload of running backs, so he trades one. Finds out that Joe uh, Frelick or whatever his name Joe is. Joe Staley. Staley, thank you. Staley, his big all-pro left tackle, has decided to retire because... Of health concerns, so he goes out and brings in another All-Pro left tackle by the name of Trent Williams. So, I think we have to put um, I think we have to put John Lynch in that upper tier of general managers. He knows what his team needs, and he knows how to get that. And I think that if he was going to be teaching a class, he better send an invitation to Brian Gutekunst in Green Bay because Gutekunst, obviously, again, if Chris's information is right, that Lafleur is, you know, was, had his fingerprints and handprints all over this Packers draft. Gutekunst needs to remember that he is the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, and he should have final authority over whoever comes into Green Bay, whether free agent route or via the draft. And I think that if it's true, if Chris's information is right, and I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be, then I believe already Gutekunst may have lost some control in the football operations department of the Green Bay Packers because Matt LaFleur... Uh, maybe an ascending coach and a lot of good things and he comes from the McVay tree and all this other stuff but again prior to his last year and his, as his first year of a head as a head football coach he had only been an offensive coordinator as high as he had been so if Gutekunst is giving control of the draft over to his now second year head coach I'm a little bit worried as a Packer fan about the qualifications of Brian Gutekunst for this job.
1: Yeah, and of all teams, for him to be the GM of the one that doesn't have an owner, especially yeah. one like a Jerry <laughs> Jones or a
0: Great you know point. you
1: know or a Pagula Terry Pagula over yep. the over his shoulder or something. That's the one where I mean, and part of me appreciates that you know he's not a complete control freak. I mean, you put like a Bill O'Brien or a Vince McMahon in charge of the Packers, that would just be just. A nightmare especially imagine giving someone like that a complete control freak the like gm and president like make them like mark murphy and good like it would just be it would just be hell on earth right so so i mean no one should ever do that in green bay no one should ever have both those roles but um it would just it would just be horrible but the last guy that had both of those roles was a guy named vincent Thomas Lombardi. Yeah, and maybe if it's someone like that, although, I mean, back in the day, those guys uh, weren't afraid to uh, take control, certainly. So uh, it can be good if the guy is really competent and everything, but it, really, from day one, John Lynch has been amazing. I, I thought that was a really neat out-of-the-box pick. Hey, we're just going to take an analyst who seems really smart. Okay, we're going to make him the GM. Okay, well, I appreciate that. And then right from the beginning, when he is just fleecing Flower, the pride of Flower Grove, Texas, Ryan Pace... And, uh, you know, making him give up a bunch to move up one spot for a guy that should not have been taken there, Trubisky. Uh, Lynch has been great from day one. He's yep. been fantastic. Yeah, Lynch, Roseman, other than I know Philly fans are just in shock. Like, you, I know that Carson Wentz has an injury history, but you just paid him $100 million. Yep. Uh, maybe the timing's kind of funny. And it really, I think there it's better. Like, uh, the Josh McCown thing was perfect there. You sign a really great veteran backup who can come in like that's what you do I think behind a Carson Wentz a guy in his mid-20s who you just paid a hundred million dollars to get that veteran quarterback who can come in and be a a, a true backup Uh, you don't really draft backups really so uh, that was a bit weird but other than that yes Howie Roseman amazing obviously anyone associated with the Ravens and and really and the Vikings doing well was amazing and then how about the shock to me was Dave Gettleman doing well. Yeah, I, I
0: I have it in my notes here. Uh, winners from this draft for me were three that really stood out. Um, oh yeah, well yeah, let's do that. Like yeah, uh, who I winners? have I have the Ravens standing out. Yeah, oh, yeah. I have, uh, and you know, this has got to be really surprising to Mike McCarthy that he's got a guy that the the Dallas Cowboys. And Chris was just talking about people that have just paid. You know, they've just paid in Philly. They've just paid. Uh, Carson Wentz. Well, the Dallas Cowboys just about a month ago paid Amari Cooper $100 million, 25 times four, as Chris always likes to say. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys were not in the market, you would think, for a wide receiver. So what does the Dallas Cowboys do? They go out and get C.C. Lamb. And I think he's one of the better playmakers, one of the difference makers in this whole flipping draft from the University of Oklahoma to come play wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys knew that they needed a center after the retirement of Travis Frederick. So what do they do? They get Tyler Biotish from, oh yeah, from the University of Wisconsin where Travis Frederick came from. The Dallas Cowboys had an unbelievable draft for them, for Jerry from, from his quarter of a billion dollar yacht. But I thought the Dallas Cowboys draft was exceptional. And again, this just shocked the hell out of me, but I'm giving proper credit to Dave Gettleman and the job that he did for the New York football Giants. Mask and all for Gettleman, regardless. But uh, I thought Gettleman did an unbelievable job with the New York football Giants. And I do have to say this. i got to say this. Nothing about the football aspect, but the best coaches hangout where they were conducting the draft is still Cliff Kingsbury from the Arizona Cardinals. He may not be able to coach a lick, but he sure has a nice place to hang out in the Phoenix area. That was really impressive. That, that was, that <laughs> that was, was pretty cool bachelor pad.
1: That's what, uh, that's, you know, and I said, it's funny because I saw like some woman tweeting on there, like it doesn't look very comfy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cold floors. And I'm like, okay, it's Arizona, first of all, but uh, no, you know what? I love that house. That was exactly what I like. It's got like, a, a, you know, really high end stuff, but he's yet minimalist. It's got nice big spaces with cold floors, like hard whatever that yeah. is marble floors or whatever, and really spacious. And then the pool and the cabana, and just you know the minimalist stuff inside, though ultra modern looking. That's exactly what I would like a house to look like. So I, I loved that house, a hundred percent. I totally agree with you on that. I agree with all the ones you said had good drafts. Also wanted to single out some surprises like. The Carolina Panthers, I did not expect to have a good draft. They were good. They got, uh, some people thought that Derek Brown was the second best guy in the whole draft for talent. They got him at number seven. They got that Gross Matos defensive end. Uh, he was supposed to be a first round pick. They got him in the second. Uh, they got that Jeremy Chin, who's supposed to be good. They got that XFL standout, Kenny Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, they did really well. The Cardinals had a really good draft. They, had, they got that Isaiah Simmons that where people were wondering. Oh, yeah, from Clemson. Yeah, they're yeah. like, is this guy going to be third overall or 20th? Or, or like, yeah. No, yeah. They had no idea where he's going to go. Or, and still nobody knows how he's going to be used. He can play every position on the defense. Yeah. Um, oh, well, the other thing about the Carolina Panthers that was interesting, they're the first team to ever do this, to have seven or more picks, and they did not take a single offensive player. Really? All seven of their draft picks were defensive. Huh. So, Which I kind of like because, look, they're in a division that's really tough. Both Tampa Bay and New Orleans are in complete win now mode. All right. out, balls right. to the wall. Probably the last year of Breeze, maybe the only year of Brady potentially, even though they signed him for two. Uh and the Panthers are essentially rebuilding and they have a new coach and all this stuff and a new owner. And they're not expected to do much. And then of course the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they're they're planning on winning as well. Yep. Yep. So I love that idea, though, because you've got you've got your new quarterback, you've got some good weapons, and you've got McCaffrey, the best running back in the league. And you've, you've already got a, an average looking offense already it looks like well, I mean, with McCaffrey could be, you know, the sky's the limit. So you just load up like crazy on the defense if the defense plays really well or they could really surprise some people this year. I thought that was a really fascinating strategy, just load up on the defense in that scenario. I thought that was actually really good sort of situational drafting. Also, and this won't surprise anyone, but um, to paraphrase a famous comedian I saw once, the Cleveland Browns, had an amazing draft again and once again it will lead to nothing. <laughs> uh, so uh, the only thing that was disappointing to me about the Cleveland draft was every they kept talking about how they were so high on Ezra Cleveland. Right. Right. Good and, pick by
0: the Vikings, Ezra Cleveland.
1: Exactly. And it was funny because they were think a lot of talk there was a lot of talk that their first two picks were going to be named Brown and Cleveland. So you know, I thought that would have been just the best. At least if they would have taken the Cleveland guy, I thought it would be neat because, you know, how many how many jerseys would he sell? Yeah. Because yeah. people would be like, well, if he doesn't work out, it still says Cleveland, <laughs> so who cares, right? So <laughs> I just think that would have been such a perfect fit. So I was disappointed that that didn't happen. But uh, who were your losers of the draft, I guess? Though? I only have one. Just the Packers. Just the Packers. I Jeez. mean... Um, the Bears suck, though. Come well, on. Oh, yeah.
0: The, but, you know, I'm tired of... I mean, I... I I'm, this has been a tough week for me, folks. I got to be honest with you, um, but you can still uh, say the Bears suck. No I can matter. still say the Bears suck, and they did. But I think even the Bears draft, and, and I was looking at some rankings this morning. Even the Bears draft by by division, even the the uh, so called experts were saying even the ba- the Bears draft was better than the Packers, and I can't disagree. Most people were giving the Packers a D. A couple of them gave them an F, but um, you know, again. The Bears were disappointing, I think, obviously. But again, let's let the Packers. I mean, you know, again, Chris so eloquently stated it. I won't regurgitate it again. But, you know, we were one of three teams on the weekend of January 19th, that Sunday, that had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And everybody knew what we needed. If you weren't going to go with the wide receiver at one, okay. But maybe you go with a defensive tackle to help Kenny Clark along the front line. Or maybe you go with an inside linebacker to help because the 49ers ran all over us on that afternoon of January the 19th at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara. But to draft Aaron Rodgers' eventual replacement, with four years remaining on Aaron Rodgers' contract. You know, I can remember vividly, folks, how pissed off Brett Favre was when the Packers uh, drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005. And you know what? I've got to believe in my heart of hearts. Aaron Rodgers is saying all the right things and supposedly made, made contact with Jordan Love yesterday or Friday or something, but they have at least had a brief conversation and he probably said all the right things. But I'm telling you right now, folks, number 12 is pissed off in Green Bay, and he should
1: be. And he absolutely should and he, be.
0: And Aaron Jones, I think, young man, you made a hell of a contribution last year, but I'm telling you, man, start thinking about places that you want to play in 2021 because the Packers no longer feel that Aaron Jones is worthy of McCaffrey money, and maybe, and maybe they can't do it, and maybe they can't, okay? $17 million for a running back, and Aaron Jones put up unbelievable numbers, but it'd be, again... When you're paying Rodgers almost $34 million a year for the next four years, it's really difficult to pay your number one running back $17 million. The number one guy on the Carolina roster is Christian McCaffrey. The number one guy on the Green Bay Packers roster is not Aaron Jones, and that's the difference. And, you know, somebody said to me the other day, Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and be just balls to the walls because he's got something to prove. But the problem is, for anybody that has won an MVP to win the most valuable player, you need help from your teammates. And right now, does Aaron Rodgers has have enough weapons to win an MVP award? No. It's that simple. No. There all you got to do is double team Devontae Adams. And all you got to do is potentially put seven or eight in a box and you can stop Aaron Jones. What do you have? Alan Lazard? Uh Jake Kumaro? I only know these guys because I have Packer Green and Gold blood through my veins. When I mention those names, Chris knows about it because of his association with me and his and his year by year by year study, and he puts a lot of study into it. But the normal fan, who the hell is Alan Lazard? Who the hell is Jake Cumbero? Who the hell is is uh, Equinemius Saint, Saint Brown? And in reality, who the hell is Devin Funchess?
1: Oh, I hate Devin Funchess. He sucks. I, he's I a slower
0: and uh, drops the ball more, Devontae Adams. That's what he is. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's Nelson Aguilar, but, yeah. not, but not as fast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a couple he's of horrible. things. I mean, I, I
0: could go on about that forever, but um, there's a couple of things that Chris probably knows about, but I'd like his comment on it. There's a couple of things I found out, news and notes from this just completed draft that if you haven't heard about it, well, then just play along. First and foremost, I guess most importantly, the National Football League raised over $100 million. That was cool for COVID-19 relief during this draft. So even though we had to see Jane Goodell's husband in his basement for three nights, um, really, really good. $100 million bucks for COVID-19 relief during the draft. So congratulations to the National Football League for that. The LSU uh, Tigers tied a record with 14 players taken during this draft. Congla- congratulations to head coach Ed, Ed Orgeron, And all the great coaches down there at LSU, none of the great coaches are there anymore. They've all gone on to to different jobs, but uh, Orgeron and his team did an unbelievable job. I also wanted to think think about this. Chris already knows, but some of you may not have put two and two together. And right now, that's about as fast a speed as I can go. But think about this. The Ohio State Buckeyes, in a roundabout way, but the Ohio State Buckeyes, and this is, again, a tribute to Urban Meyer and his... If you're like me and you don't have many good things to to say about Urban Meyer, but at least you respect him because of the uh, three national championships, and this is unbelievable. Ohio State had the first three draft picks were originally Ohio State Buckeyes. Joe Burrow was originally an Ohio State Buckeye. Chase Young was an Ohio State Buckeye. And the new uh, starting corner for the Detroit Lions, Jeff Okuda, oh yeah, Ohio State Buckeyes, unbelievable performance from the Ohio State Buckeyes and Urban Meyer. And again, regardless of what you think about them, that's amazing when you have three guys that were originally uh, recruited to play in Columbus, Ohio, and those three three of those players end up being one, two, and three in the twenty twenty NFL draft.
1: Uh, in a in a similar vein, I just wanted to say a very similar stat, which was also impressive. Between LSU and Alabama, yes, they were responsible for I believe 18 of the first 87 picks, which yep. is over 20. Yeah, which is that's unbelievable. Well, they had, too.
0: Uh, to my recollection, and I'm 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 kind of spitballing here, but I'm thinking about, I, I think it was something like seven or eight of the first 20 picks
1: had a connectivity to either Ohio State. Or Alabama, But to me, that honestly suggests that some of those guys were just on the right team and they're going to be busts. Oh, and, and I mean. very
0: possibly so. But I think it's safe to say, I think you and I, we ag- agree on a lot of things, but I think those first three picks are going to be studs. I think is going to be good. I think Chase Young's going to be an animal. Oh, yeah. And I think of the three, and this is funny to say when you're talking, and, and the three include the Cincinnati Bengals and the Detroit, Detroit Lions, two of the teams that just have had really not much success the last 100 years, I think Burrow in Cincinnati probably has the toughest job.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. And I would also say, I, I have been thinking about Joe Burrow, and I like him. But he is still a one-year wonder, and his, just his one year was so good. We've seen that so many times in, the, in college and then it doesn't translate. I have found out with the perfect way to sum up how I feel about Joe Burrow's prospects for the future. Are you ready for this? This is going to be good. Okay. Joe Burrow, in my opinion, is either going to be Joe Namath or Ryan Leaf.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Because you see him sitting there and he's cool and he'll yeah. have the cigar and he'll just chat and he's just like, life's easy. And hey, how's it going? I'm Joe Burrow. I'm Joe Cool. And he's just, he can just, he can perform. He's cool about it. Yeah. He's not really stuck up, but he's still confident. Yeah. Yeah. He's got great intangibles. He's a great leader. Other than absolute top-end arm strength that he's lacking, anything else, it's hard to find a weakness with him. He's good at everything. And he just steamrolled every little bit of adversity that could possibly come his way this year. 60 touchdowns and 6 picks. So he's either going to be one of the absolute best in the league and have the swagger to back it up as well, or he is just going to flame out as a one-year wonder, and we're going to wonder, like, where the fuck did that year come from in LSU? Think about this.
0: (laughs) This is really weird to say, but I think you'll agree with me. The talent level, he's going down in talent level, going to Cincinnati (laughs) after being at LSU.
1: But he's got some good receivers, like A.J. Green. Oh, he's got some parts, but again, I mean... Tyler Boyd. That
0: team that they had at LSU last year was, uh, I mean, that... That was a pretty, pretty unbelievable football team that they put together last year in LSU. And, and uh, I just, uh, I do know, I did hear this. I was talking to my brother, Dave. And uh, thank you, Dave. I've got to say, when the news came down on Wednesday night that dad had passed, um, I called my brother, Dave, in Green Bay. And um, I I got to give Dave full props. Dave and my dad did not have the most uh, working, uh, working uh, w- relationship. But Dave called me back, and I appreciate that. And Dave is going to be hopefully a part of uh, this celebration of, of my dad's life in uh, July or August in Las Vegas. And anybody that wants to come, you're more than welcome. It'll be at the Los Prados Golf and Country Club in Las Vegas. But Dave told me that the Packers had real legitimate uh, desire to acquire Justin Jefferson, wide receiver from LSU. Which who ultimately, I believe off the top of my head, went to the Minnesota Vikings. And my question there is, if you're going to move up at, from 30 to 26 to bring in this guy from Utah State, why the hell didn't you move up from 30 to 20 whatever and get the guy that you want? See, John Lynch would have done that. It doesn't matter who's running the draft in Baltimore, whether it's Ozzie Newsom or Eric DeLaCosta, they would get that guy if they wanted that guy. That's my problem. If if Green Bay's draft room was seriously wanting Justin Jefferson from the LSU Tigers, and you were willing to move up from 30 to 26 to bring in a guy that I thought you could get in the third round. Why the hell didn't you spend that draft capital and get the guy you wanted? And I think that's the difference, dude. That's the guy. That's the difference of the guy that we have in our upper echelon of general managers and the guys that are just collecting a paycheck and, I think that's what makes the Ravens, the 49ers, uh, those teams that knew what they needed to get, Howie Roseman in Philly, those guys know what they need to get, and they go out and goddamn they get it. And I do do need to say this. I know we're going long again, but it's better than crying into a towel, let me tell you. I think a, a team that maybe didn't have a spectacular draft but had a better draft than I certainly anticipated that they would, And he was one of the guys we talked about a couple of weeks ago that had some pressure on them, and that would have been the guy running the draft for the Miami Dolphins. I think Miami filled a lot of holes. and They had a lot of picks. They had 14 picks when this draft started. They had more picks than anybody. But I thought Chris Greer and... uh, The coach. Brian Flores. Thank you, sir. Brian Flores. I thought they did pretty well down there in South FLA.
1: They did. uh, The Baltimore Ravens just must laugh, and and John Lynch too, must just laugh at the other teams here because I think with some of them, I think what's happening is... And I'm not going to say this for Green Bay. I, I think they just, you know, we're too dogmatic. And we're just like, we like these guys. We envision a future where these guys are just, you know, our guys. And, and yeah. we're going to take a third round tight end who's only six foot two and convert him to fullback in 2020. <laughs> and like, it's like, okay, guys, that's cute. But, but we
0: got our fullback in the second round. Yeah,
1: <laughs> That's really cute, guys. But no, you know what some guys do though wrong? And I'm going to, I'm really looking at the Las Vegas Raiders for this. I remember how much I enjoyed watching the draft when John Gruden and Mike Mayock were yes. the were the analysts. They're so good at that. I couldn't agree more. They're entertaining. They're smart. Like and just the playoff. How those two? Like John, just the football guy. Like you know, this guy's got to wear shades because he's so you know. And then and then Mike Mayock would come in as the bookworm and just like, well, no. I, in my opinion, I think that this guy blah blah blah. And then you give them the actual power. And he and and Mike Mayock even talked about this last year after his first draft about how. Once you're really doing it, it's really intense. And it was just like, whoa, this was a real thrill. But they seem to almost... They don't look like they're panicking. They seem like they're pretty cool. But they seem like once they get... They make it real and they're not just sitting in the analyst booth anymore and they're actually having to do it. It's like they... I don't know how to word it. They crack under the pressure. They just... They just do the wrong thing or something. I feel like they would maybe not have done some of these moves and some of these picks the last couple of years if they had been just sitting up in the booth there and had mm-hmm. been like just, you know, just uh, talking about it with nothing to lose. Like if, uh, taking Henry Ruggs, he's one of those fast, speedy receivers who generally end up being overrated. You still had all the receivers on the board. You could have taken a more traditional wide receiver like a Jerry Judy or a CD Lamb. And you take rugs be just because you want. Well, we're against the Chiefs, and that's going to be our Tyree kill.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but do you think that that kind of reminded you, like it did me, of a Al Davis pick? Yes, exactly. Wanting the fast guy, maybe not the most skilled guy, maybe drops. Yeah, maybe drops yeah. more passes than anybody on the Packers wide receiver core this side of seventeen. But I think that was that was a tip to the. To Mr. Davis up in the heavens above. And I think that was that was a that was an Al Davis pick. Yeah. For
1: me. Taking Darius Hayward Bay over Thank Michael you. Crabtree. Exactly. Great, yeah, great yeah, point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was. And so that was I thought I found that really strange, especially from those two guys of all people. But John Lynch, right from day one, yeah, been has been amazing. He got one of the top receivers. He's got to be happy. The Baltimore Ravens, I mean, won the draft. And almost yes. every pick they did was unbelievable. Like every pick, I was like, that guy's still there, that guy's still there. <laughs> They took J.K. Dobbins, who they had as their number one, wide, uh, as their number one running back yeah. in the entire draft, yeah. and they, oh, just happens to be that they're the ultimate rushing team. They, they got their, their high-end guard to replace Marshall Yanda. Yep. They got J.K. Dobbins to go with everything else they're doing. I'm uh, telling
0: you, that, that, on that geez. defense, and you add a middle linebacker, the quality of Patrick Queen from LSU, and I'm telling you right now, you would not get a lot of opposition from people that know football, like you and Greg and, and Ryan and and NFL football people. You could put some money right now on the San Francisco Friday Niners and the Baltimore Ravens in next year's Super Bowl.
1: You could, yeah, rematch from As long as they
0: don't get besieged by injuries, on paper, in my opinion, those are the two best teams in National Football League right now.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm still really interested in the Colts and seeing what they're going to do this year. Yeah. Honestly,
0: oh sure, and, and P- Patrick, or excuse me, Philip Rivers is a huge, big question mark there. I mean, he can and do it.
1: But what hat are you wearing right now? How about Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan
0: Taylor, they moved up to get Jonathan Taylor in the second round behind that O line, yep, behind the absolutely. best O line in the
1: league. Yep. Jonathan Taylor just loves, just uh, the luckiest man in the world when it uh, comes to great O lines. And if Jonathan Taylor can control the fumbles. That could be one of the real steals of this draft. Oh, that's gonna and and they know that Marlon Mack is good, but Jonathan Taylor's probably even better. Jonathan Taylor
0: and, is a faster Mack.
1: Yeah, and Marlon Mack's solid, but he's uh, solid, but and they still got Na'im Hind as the little pass catching back. The 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 Colts are, I'm telling you, and they're in win now mode with Philip Rivers for one oh, year. Absolutely, and they still have ton. They still and that have should be the same thing. That
0: should be the same thing the Packers are in right now. Win mode. With an older quarterback on an expiring contract in in four years. But my God, I just can't believe it's just unconscionable to me that Gutekunst and Lafleur couldn't figure that out. And when does Mark Murphy come down from the ivory chapels of on top of Lambeau Field and come down and set these two yahoos straight? This is ridiculous. I don't know. This is just, it's embarrassing as to what the Green Bay Packers did in this 2020 nfl draft real quick as well yeah.
1: I, I just wanted to say also i don't want to spend too long on it but uh, i hated to see this because i'm cheering against uh brady and gronk this year i don't know if you saw the video in the airport of brady picking up gronk at the airport and and they're just walking like strutting and making little pouty faces and th- they were so smug and thought they're so cool i you the know king what king
0: and queen of san francisco
1: well uh, you know, Gronk uh, has lost all of his size. He's he's really skinny now, yep. so we'll see what he does, and he hasn't even played well lately. Brady didn't play well last year either, and he's going to be 43, so watch him suck, because he's never been without his daddy either, so that, you know, I'm not, I, I'm starting to feel like I did last year when everyone's talking about the Browns winning the Super Bowl, and I said they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm starting to wonder about the Bucks here, if they're going to be any good at all, if those well, two you know suck.
0: What? I'm telling you one thing, and you're right on the right track. I couldn't agree with you more, and look, look at it this way folks brady gronkowski and anybody else that they're bringing down from boston to play in central florida next year it's a lot different when the teams in your division are named the new orleans saints the carolina panthers and the atlanta falcons versus the most of over the last yeah, 15 yeah, yeah. years or 20 years, whatever it is. Now, I think Buffalo is much improved, so I can't put them in this category. But realistically, when you've spent the last 20 years kicking the hell out of the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the New York Jets, it's going to look a lot different in a, in a division that has Matt Ryan in it and a guy by the name of Drew Brees in it. It's going to be a lot different, and I think a lot more difficult for Brady, Gronkowski, and anybody else that wants. I still think some way, somehow, I don't know how, but I still think Edelman's going to end up in Tampa somehow too. If Brady makes it into year two in Tampa, I bet Edelman will be down there the second year.
1: Maybe, but if the first year is a complete disaster, which no one seems to be expecting for some reason, except for me, I am wondering. But oh, I don't, I don't. It's not just you. I'm right there with you. Okay. And the the Bucks, though, I mean, they did a great draft as well, and they had Tristan Wirfs fall at to 13, and I was That's afraid of that. That's a beautiful pick. I, I was I was worried that whoever the Giants didn't pick out of him and Andrew Thomas was was going to fall to them, and sure enough it did. So that was disappointing for me. But uh, yeah, they had they had a really solid draft, and so if they don't, uh, you know, other than they don't really have a stud running back yet because uh, Ronald Jones sucks. I don't care what anyone says. But other than that, if Brady doesn't do well, it's all on him because he's being everything they're doing is with him in mind and trying to set up everything nicely for him. Uh, real quick as well, the Denver Broncos. You know we don't we we have been very hard on tooth. Uh, yeah, the tooth. I, I always want to call him horse face, but because uh, <laughs> it just works on so many levels. But uh, I, I know that I know we call him the tooth on this program. TM Mike Jensen, but uh, it's still whatever. Uh... <laughs> now no, let's do it. Let's do it properly. Let's do it properly. <laughs> there we go. All right, John Elway. <laughs> all right. Display your Super Bowl trophies a little more prominently, douchebag. Okay, yeah, I needed that. <laughs> good. Uh boy. Hey, hey, Drew Locke looked really good against Romeo Cornell's defense last year and had some nice moments. And if he's the real deal, they they were just the opposite of the Panthers. They were just all in on the offense. They were drafting receivers like crazy, offensive linemen. Uh you know what? They they could have a good offense next year in Denver and I, I do
0: I do have to say one thing. I think that, um, and this is why Mickey Loomis from the New Orleans Saints is in that draft, is in that upper echelon of GMs too. There was a lot, and I'm biased. We all know that. But I'm telling you, a very uh, underlying draft pick was made this this last couple of days by the New Orleans Saints, and they traded up to do it, but they brought in outside linebacker Zach Bond mm. from the University of Wisconsin. And I'm telling you, folks, you may not know a lot about Zach Bond, but trust me, he's a player. And I think his draft stock probably went down a little bit when they heard about the diluted uh, uh, sample. Uh, but regardless of that, again a New Orleans general manager, a lot like a Philly manager, a general manager in San Francisco, a general manager in Baltimore. They see the big picture, and they saw what the risks were, saw what the information available to them was, and they made an an educated uh, guess. All these are guesses, folks. I don't care what anybody says. These guys, I got to tell you this. I, I know we're going long, but in 1986, the Boston Celtics, it's still a draft thing. It's just in a different sport. 1986 was the draft where Lenny Bias was, I think, the best basketball player in the world in the mid-80s at the University of Maryland, played for a guy by the name of Lefty Drizell. And Len Bias, Len Bias excuse me, B-I-A-S, a nine, 250-pound power forward that could jump out of the gym. He had a good mid-range game. But you never plan for this stuff because two days after Len Bias was drafted by the Dal- excuse me by the uh, Boston Celtics in 1986. He dies of a cocaine overdose 2 days later. So there is no exact science with this. Um, we could have some one of these fine world-class athletes do something stupid like snort something up your nose and all of a sudden that person could be gone. We don't want to see that and it obviously isn't something that happens with great regularity, which I'm happy to report, but I'm telling you, if you don't know anything about Lenny Bias, number 34 at the University of Maryland back in 1986, look him up because he was unfreaking believable. He was a bigger Michael Jordan and a lot of people believe, including the great Red Auerbach, who was running the Celtics at the time. And I hate the Celtics, but this was a great pick for the for the Boston Celtics and everything goes literally out the window two days later when Bias dies of a cocaine overdose. So Things can happen, things that that Eric uh, De La Costa and John Lynch and all these great Mickey Loomis and uh, Howie Roseman, they have no control over. But all I'm saying is I think, and Chris will second this with me, there were some teams that knocked this draft out of the park and then there were some real disappointments.
1: And two of the biggest disappointments were in the NFC North, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think you I just can't see a way notwithstanding how upset some Philly fans are with the Jalen Hurts selection, I think you you can't really put any other two teams at the bottom except for the Bears and the Packers. The Bears at least, if we're being fair, the Bears at least were trying to have a good draft, I think, and they just aren't just Ryan Pace just isn't very good at his job. <laughs> but the Green Bay Packers were philosophically flawed. Yes. And, and and see, that's that's scary for an organization because even Ryan Pace once in a while in the pursuit of good players is going to pick a guy that's actually a good player. He can't be wrong about everybody, right? Like he can't. And uh, which actually, that's so funny that, that the way I said that reminds me of that Onion story, remember? The Onion a couple years ago? You know, Ryan Pace trying to decide whether to draft a good player or a bad player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's the same category. Yeah, so it's, it's just so brilliantly written. But the Packers, that's what hurts fans. And I think what also pisses off players and makes them go and play for the Minnesota Vikings and come back and, and be ridiculous, it's because you piss people off. Don't piss people off. If you're just like, oh, Ryan Pace is an idiot and he's just not very good. It's just, but I, I'd make fun of him. But it's like kicking a puppy. When it's like that, it's like okay, we'll get the odd good player and whatever. But that, that scares the shit out of people when you see your team is philosophically yeah. flawed, and that becomes then that you take things for granted and you're disrespectful. You might not even mean to be these things, but they're just inherent byproducts of acting like that and. I am just profoundly disappointed in the Green Bay Packers. And I just uh you know, they've I've I've liked them for a long time and especially getting to know you. I liked you know, I like to stay unbiased because of my betting and my fantasy, but I like to adopt my friends' teams, you know. So I've become a real uh, you know, supporter of the Packers and the Rams because of you and Greg. Right. And, you know, I, I want the best for them and they've got the best fans ever, but I don't know what to make of this. I, I honestly think that Gutekunst and Lafleur all the fans is an apology.
0: I, I I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, it's really difficult when you see the support that the Packers get. You see that there hasn't been an empty seat at Lambeau Field since 1960. Um, you see a couple years ago, I know I always go back to this example, but you go back to when they played the Rams in the Coliseum in Los Angeles and it's 93,000-seat uh, the Coliseum in Los Angeles and half of the stadium was filled with green and gold for the Packers. It's amazing. A couple of years ago, I don't know where the Packers were playing, but the home team quarterback had to silence the Packer fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, I, I just, this is a slap at the face of one of the two oldest, teams in the league and unfortunately the two oldest teams that had the two poorest drafts in our estimation but i think there was a d and then there was an f and the d goes to the bears and the f goes to the packers and uh, all i can say in regard to my father who passed away on on wednesday night at the age of 82 he would have been really pissed off (laughs) with this draft and we would have had endless conversations about this draft as to what the hell's going on at 1265 Lombardi Avenue in Ashwabanon, Wisconsin. We've got to run, folks. Um, like Chris said, we could have gone on forever and ever, but we're going to try to get through some episodes in this very difficult week for me. Um, I'm going to try to soldier through, and I will say that I will only say this one more time. I'm going to dedicate this episode to my father. I miss him already. I don't know who I'm going to talk to. I guess Chris is going to have to take my 2 o'clock in the morning phone calls when I'm bitching about weird stuff. I'm up. I know you are. I know you are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> know you you are. sent me a text the other I day know. at one thirty, and I don't know if you expected a response, but you got one right away. Yeah, I know. I, I, <laughs> I get it. But um, I, I miss my
0: dad. Um, I miss my golfing partner. And um, this one's for you, pal. So we'll see you in some way shape or form in uh july or august and uh thanks for everything that you did for me and and uh we will soldier on so we've got to run got to get other thing got to get to some other things uh episode 498 i believe we've earmarked as something that i'm looking forward to which will be chris and i will nominate our favorite players we've done this in national hockey league we're now going to do it today in episode 498 for our favorite players for the the respective 32 National Football League teams. And I'll throw a little caveat on there in regard to if it is a team that has been in a different city, we're going to just go by the organization. Like, I don't know who would mention any of the original Los Angeles Chargers, but... They went to San Diego, obviously they're back in LA or the Indianapolis Colts who originally were the Baltimore Colts. Well, it's the Colts organization or the Chargers organization, even the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people maybe don't know this. Originally, the Kansas City Chiefs were called the Dallas Texans. So if there's somebody okay. from the Dallas Texans organization, I can think of one, Abner Hayes, but uh, Abner Hayes actually finished his career in Kansas City as a member of the Chiefs. So that'll be a lot of fun in episode 498, and I'm looking forward to it very, very much. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, oh yeah, before I do that, subscriptions are up, everybody. Thank you very much. Please continue to do it. Chris has got us on those 18 different social media avenues. Find one, subscribe. Find all 18 of them, subscribe. We truly appreciate it when you do that. That's what keeps us going here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. And now, oh, we've got other news. We have a new logo potentially coming out within the next week. Looking forward to And
1: uh, probably a new intro for episode 500 and beyond as well. Look at that.
0: See? Jesus Christ. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke. I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.